Welcome back to Library Media Chatter, the podcast that doesn't know how many days are left until summer break, but does know how many days your book is overdue. <laughs> I'm Dan Wright, Library Media Specialist at Oakville and Melville High Schools, and with me as always is two-time champion, Yes. Dr. Greg Baum. Yes. Uh, yes. Thank you, Greg Baum, one of the library media specialists at Rockwood Summit High School. So glad to be with you today, Greg. It's The pleasure is mine. Really. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. Uh, <laughs> coming up later in this episode, we take on international <laughs> politics and authoritarianism like every other podcast is doing right now. Yeah. But first... We need to tackle the most pressing question around, Greg, what are you reading? Oh, boy. I am reading The Best of Me by David Sedaris. It is a collection of his best essays and short stories. Are you a David Sedaris fan? Have you read? I have read some David Sedaris. Okay. I've enjoyed most of it. And then I yeah. go, man, I should read more of this. Yeah. The end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, that was kind of my situation. And I decided, so we got this in our library and I decided when I saw it, I was like, okay, this will be a good opportunity for me to read more of his stuff because I've liked what I've read. I've used some of it in my classes. I actually think I'm about a third of the way through the collection. And I think there are, I've found several pieces that could be used in language arts classes paired, you know, with some other kind of more classic text. Anyway, lots of good stuff. Um, he's very funny. There's not a lot of stuff I read that makes me laugh out loud, but I've definitely done some laughing out loud. And then there's just some really strange, upsetting pieces where I'm like, <laughs> wow, oh yeah. man, okay. And so it is it is harder to get through the collection than I expected because I, I had not read some of those deeply upsetting pieces before. And I'm not opposed to that. I just wasn't emotionally yeah. prepared for it. So um, anyway, but it's a good collection. And I think this would, if you don't have a David Sedaris book in your library, this might be a good one because it is kind of the greatest hits, you know, me talk pretty one day is the one that I'd heard the most about before this. So yeah. I imagine, but that story is included here. Um, anyway, yeah, recommend it as an addition to your collection, I think. Very cool. Yeah. I love what it. What about you? What are you reading? Uh, so I just finished today uh, Blackout oh. by, and wait for it, I'm going to take a breath before I read all the names, <laughs> yes. by Danielle Clayton, Tiffany D. Jackson, Nick Stone, Angie Thomas, Ashley Woodfolk, and Nicola Yoon. I really enjoyed it. We have um, this one in our library, but I have not read it yet. It so I we talked the last time uh, about how the gateways have felt real heavy this year, mm -hmm. and at least the ones that I'd been reading had felt real heavy. And I needed a break. I needed. I didn't want to go away necessarily from YA. I was fine because all the non YA books that I have tend to also seem like maybe they're going to be a little much. So I just wanted a break, and I like these authors. Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed their books. Sometimes they're a little heavier than yeah. others, but. I had heard positive things and when they were in the process of writing at the beginning of the mm -hmm. pandemic and kind of selling it, it sounded like it would be a more fun kind of read. Mm -hmm. And it, it absolutely was. Oh, good. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's a YA romance collection mm -hmm. that they wrote together over the course of a few months of the pandemic. One story it all takes place during a blackout, like the title says. 
Um, and one story is told in five chunks over the course of the book. And then in between the other authors intersperse stories that are separate from the, I, I don't even know to call it the main one, but separate yeah. from the continuing one, but connected <laughs> by characters. Oh, cool. So like so-and-so's cousin is in yeah. this or somebody's dad or somebody, yeah. whatever. And it's all kind of interwoven yeah. and just a lovely six love stories oh, nice. uh, of African-American teens. I don't even know how, to, like I'm, I'm running out of words, but <laughs> they're like there were, there were straight love stories. There were queer love stories. Mm-hmm. There were not exactly fully love stories, but things that maybe were working in that direction. Like yeah. all kinds <clears throat> of different things that, people that knew each other well and people that didn't and everything under the sun in just a really lovely, fun read. So you hated it. I hated it. That's what I got out of this is. I'm not a romance reader. And I just, I just enjoyed it. it. Yes. Yes, That's awesome. Um, And they have another one, I believe was announced last week or sometime within the last little bit that they're going to do called Whiteout. Okay. Now, maybe I'm crazy and I'm making this up like this is a dream that I had, but I'm pretty sure um, this is true. And it takes place like in a snowstorm and it's going to be another kind of let's do this again. And why can't we have stories about these characters instead of always being kind of the typical YA romance things? Right. So not exactly a collection of short stories, but you could totally read this. Uh, in pieces you wouldn't have to read it like i have to sit down and read 260 pages or whatever you could read it in chunks right but very worth reading on top of the fact that all of those women are phenomenal authors on their own uh it was nice to kind of see them go like yeah we're friends and we should do this we're like wow you're friends and you did this really cool thing yeah so it was nice that is really cool so that's what we're reading uh, if you have cool books that you're reading and you want to pass those along that we should buy for our libraries, please don't hesitate to do so by emailing us at librarymediachatter at gmail.com. We're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back. This episode is brought to you by the Dewey Decimal number 970, which means it's time for the favorite game of Jedi's, Padawans, and Ewoks alike. <laughs> do we know our Dewey? I'm going to name books with call numbers that start 970, and Greg is going to guess what this section is all about. Greg, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Highlights from this Dewey number include Native American America, North America Before 1492 by Tim McNeese, What the Eagle Sees, Indigenous Stories of Rebellion and Renewal by Eldon Yellowhorn and Kathy Lowinger, and An Indigenous People's History of the United States for Young People by Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, adapted by Debbie Reese and Jean Mendoza. Greg, what is the theme of this section? Well, I'm going to say that this is Native American history. Am I correct? You are generally speaking correct. Oh, but boy. as Dewey likes to oh, categorize things in interesting ways, yes, uh, this falls under general history of North America. Oh, so not specifically Native American history okay. in the world of Dewey, yeah, but general history 
of North America. I'm going to give myself 20 Dewey bucks for yes. that one. Not yes. the full hundred. I Not the full hundred. Yeah. I, you know what? I would have given you 42 for it. 42 like, Dewey bucks. I feel like. Spend the, a Dewey land. Yes. Dewey was, uh, they were making you lean in one direction. Boy. And you went in that right direction. I did. Boy. And it turns out you were just a little bit off. Classic Dewey with the yeah. bait and switch though. <laughs> I mean, he got me again. So this is an area we've been uh, purchasing more books for in our libraries, mm -hmm. more uh, indigenous authors writing mm -hmm. about indigenous issues and telling indigenous stories. Uh, I've been pretty pleased with them. I like a lot of these books have been mm -hmm. really good and our students that are checking them out are checking them out. It's not like, I guess I'll just randomly pick this up and whatever, but they're, uh, I've noticed at least a handful uh, where you kind of go, oh, good for you that you're finding more in this area. <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting. I So I know we have what the eagle sees. I think it might even be on display on one of our shelves because I, I can kind of picture it. Um, I feel like that there we've had a bunch of uh, Native American fantasy novels recently from, I'm trying to think of the, it's the same author, um, Darcy Little Badger, I think might be the name. She okay. did lots away and a couple others. And so maybe this is kind of having a moment and yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, in the world where, uh, we can keep telling the same stories over and over again, why not hear from other people who get to tell their stories and maybe it'll mix things up Yeah, for more enjoyable YA fiction reading. Oh, that's asking a lot. That's <laughs> well, really asking a lot, Dan. Thanks to Dewey number 970 for thank sponsoring you. this episode. Thank you, Dan. I mean, thank you, Dewey. Thank you, both of you. <laughs> Welcome back to Library Media Chatter. You are just in time for the second most important question. We tackled the biggest <laughs> one. Now we're getting to the second most important question. Greg, what are you doing? Well, you're being very gracious and giving me a chance to share something I'm excited about. I And you already kind of alluded to it in our introduction. Uh, we found out on Friday, and we're not supposed to say anything until Monday, but since this podcast will not be released for <laughs> yeah, a May. month and a half, yeah. um, I think I'm okay. We found out with, that we got the exemplary library recognition. And cool. um, yeah, I'm very excited about it. it. It is a lot of work, as we've talked about before. So it's nice to kind of see that rewarded again, sure. kind of a little acknowledgement. It's yeah. kind of an inequitable program because of the expectations, but you know, it is what it is. Anyway, I just thought I would mention though, that I assume by May when this comes out, they will do what they did last year, which is they will publish the application packets of the district, the libraries that receive that recognition. So for anyone who's interested in this recognition, exploring uh, the possibility of doing it themselves. Um, those materials will be up. Obviously, we, we at Library Media Chatter would love a barrage of email questions so yep. we could talk about this some more. But anyway, that's all. I was excited, so yep. thank you. Yeah. If you want to know how to be a champion, <laughs> you got to yeah. talk to the champions. Yeah. You got to like... Yeah. Michael Jordan wasn't by himself in his backyard, never watching basketball or working with other people. So I if feel you like, want to achieve like Greg achieves, he's I'm here get, for you. If you haven't seen these shirts, then you haven't spent enough time in like fringe rural Missouri where um, there are these kind of scrawny white men wearing shirts that say, 
you know, USA back-to-back World War champions or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I need to just take that and then use duct tape to put something about the exemplary library on it and wear that. Yes. I I will, maybe we'll make merch. uh, Oh yeah, that's better than my idea. And it'll be you, it'll just be your face. Yeah. Uh, on yeah. two big trophies, yeah, or probably more than that. By the time any merchandise would come out, we want to make sure <laughs> that people see ten-time champion and that ten million dollar prize we talked about last. Yeah, that, that that you know the money really is the yeah. reason I got into this. So, so it's very gracious of Greg to not only uh, stay on the podcast yeah. after making that much money, yeah. but also uh, very cool that that stuff's out there that people yeah. can look at and kind of see yeah. how does this in reality uh, actually work. And that Greg is available uh, to to talk about those things and to, mm-hmm. to answer questions if you're interested. Uh, we mentioned the email before, librarymediachatter at gmail.com. Uh, send questions. I will not answer those emails, but I will mm-hmm. be happy to let Greg <laughs> answer mm-hmm. all those things. I am not a champion. Greg, <laughs> Greg brings it. He knows what's going on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> none of this is getting cut by the way no it's all we're all celebrating you yeah this will be this is going to be a 10 minute total episode (laughs) it's going to be you talking about this i'm going to release it as a special oh my gosh all right so dan what about you what are you doing so we are in the middle of what i consider the most wonderful time of the year which really never ends for me personally summer Uh, vacation yeah no not quite there uh, weeding season ah. in the library. Now, to be fair, um, Sandy will listen to this and say, well, there's not really a season to it because Dan just will walk to go shelve a book and then come back with five and <laughs> say, I'm not really sure we need these anymore, which is not untrue. Uh, All five have... of the Bibles that were in that <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've got the, the King James and then several yeah. other styles yeah. that yes. we, we don't need all styles. the styles. So, Uh, At Oakville, though, we're kind of looking at needing to move around some things and thinking about as we add in new books for next year or things like undoing uh, some of our displays. We have like a giant new book section. So the books that we've gotten this year have to go back on the regular shelves. So we need to make some space, which means it's time for weeding. And I love doing it. I'll be honest. It's one of my favorite things Mm. uh, in the job because it's one of the things that I know is me actively going out and making sure that our collection is good mm-hmm. instead of just going, I'm sure we've gotten good things over the years. And I'm sure that everything that we have is, is quality. Mm-hmm. And these things all deserve to be on the shelf still. They do not. Just they spoiler do not. alert. Yes. And that's not about your library. That's no. about any library. Yeah. No. And I think, I think it's a major, it's one of the things I remember from my degree program. And this is maybe where we show our, uh, extreme experience, just our yeah, years and yeah, years of experience. Yeah. But I remember from the program, there was one course on collection management mm-hmm. and one or two projects that I had to do where you're looking at purchasing and weeding and whatever, but you're not really doing it because it's not your collection and you're not really thinking about right. what do your patrons use and what are your students interested in. Right. So being able to go through and see not only like, wow, I can't believe we have this book on climate science from 1987. Right. Uh, but I don't know that we need 45 of these types of romance books when nobody has checked that, that 
type of story right. out in a long right. time. And what we need is more like Blackout or more like right. uh, other types of books uh, that may be out there. So it's been a great way for me to kind of get to know the collection better beyond like title. We use uh, through Destiny going through Tidal Wave and they have a Tidal Wise analysis where you can kind of yeah. look at a big picture of this is how old your collection is and here are the areas that you might want to think about but really getting, making sure that I'm getting into the collection and seeing what's there in both buildings uh, so that when things come up, I can make better informed purchases instead mm -hmm. of just going, I don't know, this book looks fun, I'll buy it. Mm -hmm. But like, no, we don't need more like this. We could use more like that. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> I, I wanted to give a, because I don't know how anybody does this. I've only ever done it myself and kind of talked to the two librarians that I've worked with. So I mm -hmm. want to share with you, Greg, and the, the listeners that maybe don't work with us <laughs> who right. might have other ways of doing things that I would love if they would share. I'm yeah. whispering that into the microphone. This is a secret moment between me and the listeners. <laughs> Please share what your It did become are. very intimate there. There yes. was, a, yeah. I, I didn't want anybody to think that they have to do this, but I right. really appreciate it. Right, yeah. Um, I kind of go about it in one of two ways. The first, and probably the most professional one, is to go through something like the title-wise analysis, or I know Mackin has the same thing in their system, or something like that. It's probably not called title-wise um that you got managed that would be an issue uh where you can look at the age of your collection and yeah. specifically like in the 520s you yeah. have some books that are older and you may want to consider and you can print those things out and go through the stacks uh and start pulling those books and then run your circulation numbers for them which i think is is probably the best way to start uh when you're needing to really go through your stuff the one that I'd probably do more often, though, is that I'm just in the mm -hmm. collection and going, man, that book looks old. Mm -hmm. And I'll just pull it off the shelf and go, let's take a look at this and kind of mm -hmm. and do that. And then realize, man, I should do this for this section. Right. Or I should do this for this genre. And then go back and run the numbers to make sure that I'm not crazy. This book hasn't been checked out 15 times this month, mm -hmm. uh, but in fact, had not been checked out in 15 years or something like that. Mm -hmm. The way that we have done it the last couple of years has been to start with data and then to make additional judgment calls as we work through a section. And so we started with kind of a couple factors. With our nonfiction, we really looked more at the copyright date and sure. then um, <clears throat> how much has changed about Leonardo da Vinci <laughs> since sure. 1970. Sure. You know, I mean, and yep. that's not entirely true, but we did. I mean, like there were a lot of careers for travel agents, you know, yes. in our collection. And there and that collection that I inherited, I mean, my co-librarian and the librarian before me had done a good job of keeping it up to date. It's just there's always more work to be done. I mean, that's, you know, like that's just the reality of. Yes. A library. But uh, yeah, I mean, with the fiction, I did feel like the fiction was a little trickier because we are trying to consider things like representation and yeah. diversity and to an extent anyway, kind of significant, like literary and cultural significance. And sure. so we started by looking in the fiction at circulation numbers over the last, um, the last year, the last two years, and then lifetime. Yeah. 
and kind of set some parameters for like, well, where would we consider? Yeah. But that was much more difficult because there really aren't a lot of great action or adventure novels about black boys, you know? So the three that I have, yeah, I'm going to keep. Yes. You know? And so anyway, I thought about when you were talking about action books, I have the same issue with sports, right? Where you go, well, there aren't a lot of great sports YA books that come yeah. out. So I'm going to have some older books there, Yeah, but I go through fantasy yeah. and I'm going, this book's more than seven years old. Well, yeah. I've got a thousand other ones. I right. don't need, if it's not being checked out regularly, right. right. do you still need that? And it's, right. it's not the same level of issue as nonfiction where you're running into this information is no longer relevant or right. it's no longer good. There are no a, travel agents yes. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, th- those things right. don't apply where now I'm just going, I don't know, this dragon book from 2007 yeah. might be okay, but it's probably not that much better than the dragon book from 2017. Right. And neither one of them is being checked out weekly. Right. So let's keep the new one and not the old one. Right because I don't want to stop buying books. Right. But at some point I run out of library. Right. I will just say one other thing about weeding. I would try to say this as correctly yeah. as possible. Let's do this. Uh, I have heard of several librarians um, who have used weeding as a reason to get rid of books that they are afraid will be challenged in their collection. And it is, of course, as we were just talking about, a very fine line. I mean, you know, can I prove that the book that they weeded, they did it because they were afraid? No, I can't because it's 10 years old and nobody's checking it out. But it was there last year, you know, yeah. and like, yeah. and I, I mean, I just, I just will say, uh, I hope nobody does that because I think that is, you know, anyway, I just, I, I would hope people would realize that should not be a consideration of weeding, I guess is all I can say. No, I, I, yeah, I think that's kind of says everything. So uh, let's head right into the reader's nook Yes, to talk about what will be our final gateway of the 21-22 gateway season. Oh my. <laughs> Aren't they seasons? Yeah, is that yes. not how they, that's how yeah. they thought? Yeah. Uh, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Rabai. Yeah. I think this is our third gateway favorite in a row. Uh, yeah. He was a multiple time nominee. Yeah. And, and like the previous ones, I think, rightly so he's somebody who writes interesting books and they're Mm -hmm. from a good perspective and it's not necessarily just like everybody else's uh ya books so let me give you a quick summary and then greg will explain all of the (laughs) socio-political portions of things no i will not because i did not know many uh, of we will we will end the episode after that and maybe end the podcast depending on what direction he goes When 17-year-old Jay learns his Filipino cousin and former best friend June was murdered as part of President Duterte's war on drugs, he flies to the Philippines to learn more. Greg, what did you think about Patron Saints of Nothing? 
I like this one. Um, I think it was one of my favorite gateways this year. I um, I think it's well written. Um, I thought uh, Jay, sometimes it's Jason, right? Am I misremembering that? Is it is Jay short for Jason? I feel like it might be. Um, I, I thought he was a very believable teenager. Um, okay. like I thought now, I don't know. That's not always the same thing as a teenager is going to like reading about him because that, I don't know. They may not, this is, I think how an adult might have, might see a teenager and understand a teenager, but, sure. um, like there's that really vivid moment at the beginning of the book. And this isn't a spoiler because you just <laughs> told us in the description, yeah. <laughs> but like he's playing a video game when he learns that his cousin has been killed and he keeps playing you know yeah. and like there's it and there he's clearly upset but he also can't tear himself away from it yeah i i was i mean i again i'm not filipino i um i was you said that yeah I think just we've for been a well, lot it's of not a video asking. podcast and yes. they need yes. to know <laughs> people have but been wondering people have been wondering i mean and I do think it's cool that he, I remember him talking about, it was a big deal for him to see a book cover with the Filipino boy on it. And I agree. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I, I had a little bit of a hard time believing that the parents would be so complicit in covering, you know, and in oh. the silence and in the refusal to discuss anything about sure. the cousin's death. But I, what I thought was, what I really thought was interesting about this was that it engaged with, like a really important social issue. Like at the end of the book, he gives that little note about it's probably at least 12,000. It might be more like 20,000 people who have been basically killed and their murders covered up by the government. Yeah. Um, and it's not a U.S. issue, which I thought yes. was really interesting. Yes. That was one of the things that really stood out to me about this is, and I, I don't mean anything <laughs> by this except... I have read a lot of YA books about the same U.S. social issues. Sure. So this was very refreshing to me. Yeah. Um, so anyway, liked it. That's my thoughts. What do you think? What did you think about this one? No, I, I agree with everything that you said. Uh, as as usual, this is not usually a debate <laughs> podcast. We're not spending a lot of time. Except going, for hashtag justice for Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, we'll get there. Uh, I enjoyed the book. He wrote a gateway book, a book that was on the gateway list last year. Right. Um, I don't know. The, the title of it is escaping me. Uh, after the shot drops. Thank you. Yeah. And I enjoyed that book as well. I think he is a really good YA author when it comes to male friendship. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Which I found and really in. I, not having experience with any other type of friendship being a male. Uh, that's kind of all I know. But after reading Blackout and kind of seeing this story set uh, in a place that I've never lived in a among a group of teens that I'm not a part of mm -hmm. and really heavily focused, not completely, but a lot of it was female centric, as you could imagine yeah. from uh, six female authors and thinking like, this felt like an interesting look at female friendship. Yeah. I felt the same way about patron saints and, and after the shot drops, yeah. this is 
a well-written portrayal in a YA book of male friendship where nobody is crazy. It's not like, here's my wacky friend who's always doing insane things that like Kramer from Seinfeld doesn't exist in real life for most people. So I don't need everybody to have a sidekick who's like Kramer because we don't have that, right? That's not always a thing. Right. So having characters who exactly what you described with the video game and things like that were like, this is a teenage boy who doesn't totally know how to process what he's thinking about. So he keeps kind of doing the thing and he keeps kind of falling back on certain things that teenage boys do. Um, I enjoyed that about the book. There were a few things in it where I felt like, and this is my problem with every book where you just go, why I never would go, I'm going to investigate this and I'm going to go to these places that I absolutely shouldn't go. And I'm going to take all these, but I'm also not every person. So there's no reason to think that nobody would do it. Well, I will say, and I enjoy that because I like a mystery novel and I like kind of a thriller, but I did say, I did think to myself, the, the, he's, I felt like he was asking too much suspension of disbelief for the genre that the book started in. Does that make sense? Like, yes. It is a, he's done twice now, at least the two books that I've read. Right. Really, for the most part, realistic fiction. Yeah. And then there were a few moments in this book where it just kind of stepped outside the bounds of that a little further than I was necessarily comfortable in the moment. Not enough to make me dislike the book. Right. Not enough to turn this kind of as a, a book that I wouldn't recommend to students. But just that little bit kind of like, oh, just bring it back a little. Give me just a little bit more. But that being said, uh, his depiction of relationships, friendships, familial relationships. um, This one has kind of a budding romance type Mm. thing ish. Maybe he Mm -hmm. wants it to be kind of whatever. And that felt real because it's not like. And then we met and we fell in love right away. And they're like, this is the girl of my dreams and everything works out perfectly. Like it was well, well done. Uh, I I enjoy this author. This is somebody that I would not be upset to read more of in the future. Um, He'll be on the gateways again. Don't worry. Yes. I assume he'll publish more (laughs) and we will read more of it. Yeah. Any other thoughts on it? I just recommend it. I think this is one of the stronger entries this year. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Really enjoyed it. Glad we got to talk about it uh, before our uh, arbitrary cutoff for talking (laughs) about these books uh, became too much. Oh my gosh. All right. So that's the Reader's Nook for this month. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be back to wrap things up. This episode of Library Media Chatter is brought to you by the first annual Barnsey Awards given to the best of this year's gateways. Let's get right to handing out the awards, Greg. Our first award in the Barnsies is the Barnsie for best book we didn't get to. (laughs) And to clarify, you mean that we didn't talk about on the show, That we did not talk about on the show, that we read, because we read all of them. We're great uh, (laughs) at at doing those things. Right, right. But we did not have time (laughs) to talk about them. Uh, We both picked the same book for this first award, and it was Slay by Brittany Morris. 
Greg, thoughts on Slay? Or do we just jump yeah. to the next category? No, I in my notes for this episode, I put Slay, comma, but only because dot, dot, dot. Because this is a backhanded award, in yeah. the sense, the only kind of award I want to give. Um, because the other two were just so much worse. I Yeah. <laughs> the other two were books that neither of us enjoyed. Yeah. And um, I didn't really like, I got to say, Slay was not the book for me. And I just also think that it, was not a book for anyone. I mean, I I don't know who it was for. So sure, but I, yes, by default, Slay. I, yeah, I felt like Slay when I finished it. I didn't feel as negative as it sounds like you did in yeah. general. But I immediately felt like I'm not exactly positive who I would recommend this to. Yeah. Not because it was poorly done in my like I didn't have a bad experience with it. I just read it and thought, um, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not sure yeah. what to do with that. No, All right. Yeah. So confusion on one end leads us to the second Barnsey that we're going to give away today, <laughs> which is to the most baffling moment. Oh. And again, I think we just, we probably chose the same moment. Yeah. Uh, we both chose the book. I know you remember who a uh, uh, one book that we did not discuss and on purpose, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say you go ahead and tell your moment. The most baffling moment, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very general about it because it's the twist ending. That's what I. That's what it was for me too. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't mind a twist ending. The thought of it. This one, kind of made me go. Wait a minute. What book did I just read? Yeah. So that was a little yeah. farther than I thought it needed. It made me angry. I'll just say that. Now, I do think kids love it. Like okay. the kids, th this was a very high circulating gateway in our library at least, so wow. I don't know. But not it was not for me. There we go. All yeah. right, well, let's get to the next Barnsey. The Barnsey for grossest scene. Mm -hmm. Greg, who are you giving this to? I picked The Escape of Light because I picked the uh, being set on fire. <laughs> that was yep. uh, really, and I, I probably am, I mean, I'm also conflating, I think, conflating it with kind of all the burn content in sure. that. Um, but that was hard for me. Yeah, but the yeah. being set on fire was hard for me. What about you? Uh, I'm going to give the grossest scene to the book Heroin. Mm -hmm. uh, near the end of the book, oh, yeah. when she's in a porta potty yeah. <laughs> during a softball game. Yeah. That's enough for me. Yeah. Not a lot of porta potty scenes. I don't know. And, and it, the porta potty did not serve her. I think it is, did not. Yeah, I yeah. think that is. Well, and she yeah. certainly did not <laughs> do right by that porta potty. No. no. Or any of no. the future patrons of yeah, that. That was a real war crime situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough one. All right. Oh, uh, this is one of my two favorite categories. Okay. In the Barnsies, the pre Emmy award. For yes. what would make the best TV series, okay. Greg? What did you? I pick? picked the Gracier. I see the Gracier as having a really strong either MTV or what is the Ooh. what did ABC Family become? What did it turn into? Teen oh, something? I, the Teen question. Mom Channel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel question. like Freeform. Is, I believe. Freeform. Is what it's yes, called. and I feel like Gracier could be the um, Handmaid's Tale. For yeah. those channels. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. that description because my Barnsey is going to Fireborn. Okay. And I kind of thought the same way that this okay. is the uh, Game of Thrones yeah. for a YA audience. Free and like would 
very much or the CW form or the CW, like that kind of fantasy. Yours is dystopian. Yeah. But these things that the books lend, and I think yours is a great pick. I think both books lend themselves to episodic storytelling. Exactly. uh, In a nice way. So really, really proud of our picks in that one. (laughs) Uh, Well done by us. Well done by us. Um, So the pre-Emmy leads us to the pre-Oscar. For which of yeah. these books you think would make the best film? Greg, what did you pick? I picked Patron Saint, which was our book for this episode. And I really see that being like one of those kind of gritty, quasi art house films that, you know, oh. that has a lot of, yeah. it gets a ton of critical buzz and yeah. then people do see it in the theater, but it's never quite the blockbuster. You know, like that's kind of the, yeah. where I see Patron Saints as a movie. Yeah, because um, it has, I think, a lot of the elements of an Oscar-winning Best Picture. Yes. But I think it's, and I think it's just a little off-center enough yes. that it wouldn't be a blockbuster, if that makes sense. No, I think because I believe the book is a good YA book. Mm-hmm. I think the movie would not necessarily be fourteen. No, definitely it would make not. this movie, and it would not be targeted at the same audience as the book by yeah. any stretch. Uh, really good pick. Uh, my pick for this is Field Notes on Love, which uh, this one was the first one that came to mind when I was thinking about any of these awards because I've already kind of seen the movie. Yeah. Um, Many with, times. Yeah. Well, like with Before Sunrise <laughs> yeah. and that series, but that idea of a meet cute on a train and then yeah. here's all these things that happen. It would be very light. It would be a fun summer thing. If I was a teenager going on a date, it would be like the perfect movie to go see. Um, I don't have a lot of interest in it as an adult, unlike Patriot yeah. Saints. Yeah. Does not translate no, for an adult audience. No. But uh, could be a lot of fun uh, for a teen audience going, yeah. if you're comfortable going to the movies now. I could see it being like a, uh, oh man, what's his name? Now I'm, now I'm blinking. Um, oh, come on. He does, he did like Moonrise Kingdom. What's his name? Oh, Wes, Wes Anderson. Anderson. Uh, I can see Wes Anderson doing a version of Field Notes that I would uh, adore. So he already did a train movie. I know, that's why it made so me he think he can't it. do yeah. another train movie. Doesn't he have a couple train movies? No, come this, on. Is it just Darjeeling? Well, okay, so Darjeeling Limited is a train movie. Yeah. Um, Grand Budapest Hotel has train scenes. Okay. Um, but I, I guess if he if he dipped his toe in Listen, the YA train world, I'm gonna authorize it. Sure. He go ahead. Sequel to Moonrise Kingdom. <laughs> These two meet on a train. Well, he could age them up a tiny bit, and sure. I would really watch the heck out of that. Yeah. So I'm in on all things Wes Anderson, which yeah, is a separate same. podcast we could do. Yeah. Called All Things Wes Anderson. You do have to uh, listen to this one first. Yes. You this can't is the, just subscribe to. No, that's the dessert. You have, yeah. This is the yeah. This is the ribeye. This that's is the dessert. The Randy ribeye. There you go. Oh, speaking of uh, just delicious, delicious things, let's go with the final Barnsey given away during oh this commercial gosh. segment. The favorite book, Greg. Which was your favorite? Well, this is a this misnomer. Year? This was. I had several that I liked about the same. So what I did was I picked the one that I would have been most likely to pick up if I hadn't been reading all the gateways, if that makes sense. Yes. And for me, that was The Lovely and the Lost because I love a mystery book. I like Jennifer Lynn Barnes. 
Um, Patron saint of the Barnsies. <laughs> she had to get in there yeah, as the yeah. number one. Hashtag justice for Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think this Escape of Light, um, Patron Saints of Nothing, those were probably my top three, but I doubt I would have picked up the other two. So I went with this one as my favorite. So Very cool. Yeah, what about you? I chose Preston Norton's Where I End and You Begin. Okay, that's a great one. I enjoyed a lot of the yeah. books this year, just like you said. Um, I, I think that we were, <laughs> we were lucky that we started this podcast in a year that the Gateway books were mostly enjoyable. Right. Um, and this one, I just kept going back to different things. I love the multi-perspective. I love the jumping around with uh, kind the of body the, the body swapping yeah. of it and the the just different dynamics of it. It was different than other things would have been. It didn't feel like every other version of this type of book might have yeah. been if somebody else wrote it. Yeah. Um, and I love an eclipse. So really, <laughs> that was it, really it had me at eclipse. Yeah. Okay, got it. So thank you to the 2022 Barneses <laughs> for sponsoring this episode. Welcome back to the podcast. We have just enough time to solve a mystery that came up in the last episode in our <laughs> conversation about our new hashtag that Greg mentioned during the commercial break, Justice for JLB. <laughs> it turns out Greg was right. Jennifer Lynn Barnes lives in Oklahoma. <laughs> now you know. You're welcome. And with that, remember, read responsibly, use a bookmark.